What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Premier League podcast here on FanDrag Sports with me, Sebastian Noren, and Elliot Niblock. Paulie is making his way back to the United States after a, uh, I think it's a working holiday in England. So, uh, I don't know the England back schedule, man. Don't ask me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He was at Craven Cottage the other day. So good for him. Good for him. Well, we're coming off the interna- international break here, if I can remember how to speak. And uh, we'll discuss what happened with the United States men's national team and, of course, also England. And then we'll take a look ahead as match week 32 is upon us in the Premier League. And Elliot, where in the wide world are you now? I'm in back in my hometown, Wisconsin, for a couple of days before heading down to Chicago. We get there just in time for the uh, Portland Timbers and Thorns Chicago doubleheader, which I'm really looking forward to. Nice. Yeah, you got to go watch uh, Basti. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I'll be cheering against him, but eh, I, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing him. He's a legend. It's fine. Retirement league. It's all right. It's not. Although, I mean, to be fair, he's not that old it's no not, he's not he's younger than Zlatan for example. yes he is uh yeah we got to touch upon that too actually but let's let's start with the men's national team here the U.S. and their one nothing win over Paraguay the other day in their friendly in North Carolina and Bobby Wood scored the only goal on a penalty and yeah I mean what do you make of this game a lot of new faces yeah, I mean, I I have a lot of thoughts on this. Uh, I guess let's start off, first of all, with the team selection. And uh, of even that, I am about that. I am also of two minds, right? Like, I think that getting a lot of new young players in there is a good idea. Obviously, the U.S. is in a rebuilding stage. Um, some of those players, I think this was exactly the time for them to make their debuts, right? You saw uh, PSG's Timmy Way make his debut in, I think it was about the 77th minute, 78th minute, um, maybe a few minutes later. So yeah, he's now tapped and tied to the U.S. national team, which I think is great for the future. Um, Tyler Adams, the young midfielder who can also put in a shift at fullback if need be for the Red Bulls. I thought he had a really good game. Uh, speaking of which, you know, he earned the penalty um, that Bobby Wood ultimately converted, although even though he made a great run, which was well found, <laughs> his touch was a bit heavy, and I think he was kind of lucky to get taken out by the keeper because otherwise that ball was just going to go out of touch. But anyway, I mean, those so those players, I was happy to see, you know, I thought they both acquitted themselves well, fine. Um, but in terms of squad selection, just – what it's hard to discern exactly what the U.S.'s plan is, not only moving forward, but even at this point. And the, the one player in particular that not only stood out for me in terms of his performance two nights ago, but also, you know, I had an exclamation point and a question mark as to why he has not been more involved previously, is Kenny Safe, the Israeli-American who has recently started to play for the U.S. He had a phenomenal game. But unlike most of these other players, he's not 17, 18, 19 years old. He's in his Mm mid-20s. And he's a player that I think could have been really – I should say he plays his club football for Anderlecht in the Jupiler League in Belgium. 
But he's a player who I think could have been really useful in the qualifying cycle. And granted, you know, hindsight 2020, but I, I was happy to see him playing well. And maybe this is just the way things are going to have to be for the U.S. Uh, at this point in time. But it's impossible not to watch a player like him perform well against a legitimately, you know, a quality side in Paraguay. South American qualifying is hard. And not look back and wonder why was he not in the team six, eight, ten, twelve months ago. Well, I think the big, the big, or I mean, the most obvious answer there is Bruce Arena. Well, yeah, he, but, he, I mean, I mean that's again. that's the thing. He took the the path of least resistance. He went not, with the yeah, well. Not, he went with the well-known names. He relied heavily upon them. He didn't even play Pulisic in his best position to start off. I mean, it's. A lot of the U.S. not qualifying should be on Bruce Arena. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I, I think that what's frustrating is that, you know, there's all this talk of a new dawn after that failure, and it just it doesn't seem like U.S. soccer has really any idea of what that dawn looks like, you know. Um, and it's just, it's, it's frustrating. I mean, let's... Let, you know, we can talk more about larger picture stuff, but let's talk more about what happened on the pitch itself. I mean, I think that the move that, as I was saying, the move that that saw Tyler Adams win that penalty that Bobby Wood converted was high quality. Uh, Bobby Wood, he's he's been really in dire straits at club level lately, so it's good to just... So just seeing him score is excellent. Um, but that said, I mean, the U.S. very nearly gifted a shipped-in goal at the end of both halves of this match. And uh, so, you know, they certainly didn't dominate. But to me, I think the the person who stood out shamefully was the referee in this one. I mean, mm. what, did, what did you think of the referee? In yeah, not, not the best, uh, you know. Uh, luckily, it was only a friendly, you know. That's well, the, yeah, but that's the that's the time where it's I can have some oversight with refereeing. It's like okay, well, you know, there's not too much on the line here, really. But yeah, it was poor. It was poor performance, and at the same time, you can't just blame the head referee. You got to blame the whole team because yeah, the assistant no, referees I mean, I... are there to make decisions too. They're not just there to wave offside or not offside. But the thing, what really, what really infuriated me was that it seemed the way that he called this game was, oh boy, I gave a late penalty to the U.S. I better make sure that I can keep Paraguay in it. But that is not how you manage a game safely, right? The game started to get chippy, and he he did almost nothing to stop it. You know, there were. A couple of fouls I thought were clear yellow cards, not punished for the card at all. Most egregiously, in the 56th minute, Juan Rodrigo Rojas went in, both feet studs up over the ball. That's a red card every time. And not only is that a red card every time in isolation, especially in a game that is beginning to boil over, where you're starting to already see tempers flare. That is when you put your stamp on the game and say, yeah, okay, it's just a friendly, but also you could snap the leg of a professional athlete or it and it it bothered me I and mean, you could tell i'm getting worked up talking about it. and honestly i mean i think that he made a mess of it more broadly right like 
Yedlin got a yellow card after Rojas has failed to be sent off. And again, clearly the Paraguay player was trying to wind him up, you know, gave him gave him a shoulder check. Yedlin looked, as you say, Seb, he looked to the, um, the line judge who did nothing and then, you know, frustratedly knocked the ball out of his hand, got a yellow card. I think Yedlin should have gotten a second yellow a few moments later when he took out a player down the touchline. So... I mean, but the thing is that none of that happens if the referee has just said, right, that's dangerous play. You're off. I'm not standing for that. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Yeah, and on the one hand, I agree with you that, like, yeah, it's just a friendly, there's nothing really on the line. But where I have to make the exception of that is that, no, it's it's still the player's well-being on the line. And, you know, I I just have to say that Kimball Ward jeopardize that with how he managed this match or failed to yeah yeah i mean one interesting thing here that we haven't touched too much upon with all the new youngsters coming in here is the fact that you know hopefully the u.s can make it into the uh olympic the 2020 olympics and gain some experience there since you don't have any world cup soccer this summer for the u.s because now it's all about getting, you know, a lot of them dip their toes in here. Now it's about, you know, gathering that, uh, you know, the routine, getting a couple more caps under your belt, and then, you know, take new aim at the next World Cup. Yeah. So and, I'm know, happy. I'm, you- from that, that standpoint, I'm happy seeing a lot of the young kids. Yeah, it's going to it's gonna look a bit wonky when you got that many kids on the field, you know, defensively at some points. But you know, it's it's a first first step towards something new here, and I really hope that whoever takes over as the national team manager will have the balls to say, "Okay, goodbye to you know player X, Y, and Z." Yeah, I mean, and and I have to admit, <laughs> too bad that Paulie's not here because he would revel in "I told you so" with this one. Um, but, and it's not just because he's no longer uh, a Timbers player, I should say, as well. But Nagby looked kind of off the pace um, two nights ago, I thought. And he, I mean, he had some moments where he looked a decent player, but all too many, he gave away possession cheaply. And I think that, you know, when you compared him to the incisive runs of Tyler Adams and the quality on the ball of Kenny safe. He, he looked like he was outclassed. And so he, you know, he's a player that he's, he's not anywhere close to the class of the quote unquote old guard of Bruce arena that you were speaking about earlier of your Michael Bradley is your Josie Altidore's right. It's not, you know, he, he's by no means part of that group, but he's still a player who I think, you know, <laughs> although I'm sure that, uh, he is thrilled to have Timmy Way and therefore an in with the Liberian president, who is Timmy Way's father, um, Nagby being a Liberian-American refugee. But I, I think that his place in the squad, even as a squad player, should be threatened. Right? And I think that really, to your point about the incoming manager, that's that's what I care about the most. It's not just it's not just a willingness to bring in and bleed these young players and see what they can do, but it's also a willingness to make it a true meritocracy where you say, 
I don't care that Christian Pulisic is the hottest commodity in the world. If he's playing in poor form, he might lose his spot. I don't care that, you know, these players have had the cushy certainty of their position in the U.S. I, they have to, they have to be under pressure. They have to. And we just had, we haven't seen a manager who's, and I think Klinsman kind of tried to implement it, but he just picked these really high profile battles with Landon Donovan, for example. And then I don't think that, I don't think it ever seemed to me anyway that the method to his madness was simply whoever is playing in the best form is going to be playing for the United States. Yeah, let's touch upon England real quick here. They got a one nothing win over the Netherlands. Jesse Lingard with the lone goal in that one. Uh, sort of a awkward formation with Danny Rose playing central midfield. I, I don't know why he started in central midfield, but maybe that's something that Southgate wanted to try out. Um But not too much excitement there. And then a 1-1 draw against Italy. Jamie Vardy scored for England. Lorenzo Insignia scored late on a penalty for the Italians. Uh, I mean, on paper, two respected opponents, although none of them are going to the World Cup. Well, yeah, but st I mean, there's still, there's still quality. And I think that you could even make an argument that probably they played that much more fiercely because you know this is you're still playing in a big stage you're still playing england and the netherlands and italy both have very much had something to prove yeah. um i mean i think my my biggest takeaways from this are jamie vardy jesse lingard and raheem sterling are absolutely all three of them absolutely going even with harry kane fit right i think that they all played consistently very well right obviously Lingard with the winner in the match against the Dutch but even beyond that I think Jamie Vardy is continuing to prove that he when he gets service he has not yet he may very soon but he has not yet lost that step of pace that makes him so deadly mm -hmm. and and Raheem Sterling you know consistently really dangerous going forward my my biggest questions are Although I think Kyle Walker acquitted himself well, how well does he really fit as a center back in a back three? Um, and then even more so, the question hanging over, okay, who is going to be the number one for England? Or are they going to try to do some kind of splitting time situation, which I think is a really bad idea going into a major high-pressure tournament? Yeah, that is uh, not something you want to see. I know um, in the first game you had Pickford, and then in the second game you had Butland. Yeah, and but the thing is that it's hard to say. Well, okay, one kept a clean sheet, the other didn't because of the you know yeah. the penalty, and he just he didn't really have much to do in the match, and then the penalty was unsavable. So as long as it's not Joe Hart, I think they'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, we're gonna take a quick uh, I, break here. When we come back, we'll take a look ahead at match week 32 in the Premier League. So stick around. Okay, and we're back. It's time to look at match week 32 in the Premier League. Even though match week 31 is still not all said and done, but we still don't know when those games are going to be played. So here we are, officially match week 32. Kicking us 
off on Saturday morning, 7.30 a.m. Eastern. We got Crystal Palace against Liverpool. So we're going to do our predictions here. We're going to talk a little bit about each game. And then we'll see where we end up uh, heading into this week. Since we haven't tallied the points yet from Metric 31. Since we only have had like four games of Metric 31. Paul is in the lead. 228. I'm in second. 197. Elliot, you're in third. 196. Yeah, well, striking distance. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. So far, I'm off to a pretty decent start in Metric 31 with one correct result and two winners. So... Um, but Crystal Palace Liverpool. I mean, it's always tricky when you come back from an international break. You don't, you know, sometimes you end up with some players injured. Some players, you know, might not play, but they still train at a high level. But Mohamed Salah keeps scoring, keep doing great things. Yeah, that's for sure. So, you know, Crystal Palace. I even though they're at home, I'm. I, you can't really give them much of a chance against Liverpool, even though they have played well against the, you know, quote-unquote bigger teams. But I got to go 3 nothing Liverpool in this one. Yeah, uh, I think Liverpool are going to win handily, but I'm not convinced of the three, clean sheet 3-1. Well, I mean, last time around they got a 5 nothing win. Yeah, I mean, they could. And Crystal Palace are capable of imploding and being toothless as much as anybody in the league. But I'm, we'll see. I got a zag, man. I got to try to make up some ground on you. That is true. That is true. Then we got six six game, yeah, six games to kick off at 10 a.m. Uh, the one we're going to talk about first is Manchester United against Swansea. And, I mean, we've talked a lot about Manchester United and then the current situation with Mourinho. And, you know, now he's got a beef with Paul Pogba. And it's just getting... He just wants to go. He just <sighs> wants to go. I mean, the, the thing is that I'm afraid that the board is going to be on Mourinho's side. And then we could end up seeing Pogba leaving, which would suck. Yeah, that would be worse than selling on Di Maria and watching him immediately oh, yeah. succeed at PSG because unlike Di Maria, Pogba is very much in still the beginning stages of his career. Yeah, and the thing that, you know, he came up through the youth system, you sold him, and then you bought him back for all that money, and then you're going to sell him again as he enters his prime? No, just no. But with uh, McTominay injured... You know, hopefully Pogba will get to play. I mean, it's it's so stupid that it you know an injury has to occur for Pogba to get on the field here now. But I'm still gonna go two nothing Manchester United. Uh, that was gonna be my choice. I'm I'm gonna, I've gotta have to keep keep changing it up though. One nil, man. You. I mean, we're I I can see them easily scoring two against. Swans on the road. Well, I should say when Swansea are on the road yep. at Old Trafford. Uh, but also, they've, you know, they've been conservative and 1-0 might be right. So I'm going to go with that and hope for the best. Well, yeah, because, I mean, besides that first half against Liverpool, they haven't really played that well. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. Then we got West Ham at home to Southampton. Uh you know, very important game towards the end of the table. 
West Ham right now, 17th place, 30 points. Southampton in the relegation zone, 18th place, 28 points. So this is a very, very important game for both sides. I think it's going to end up being a draw, though. I'm going to say 1-1 in this one. Uh, well, this is this is an instance in which I'm not going to zag just because you zag because I think one one is exactly right. Yeah, I mean now we're, you know, it's a home stretch now. Every single game is so important. Mm-hmm. Newcastle at home to Huddersfield. Oof. See, this is these are the games where I'm. I really don't know what to do here. Newcastle, yeah, they, they did pick up a 3 nothing win over Southampton right before the international break. Huddersfield suffered a 2 nothing loss to Crystal Palace. I'm just going to go with Newcastle since, you know, they're at home pretty much. That's my reasoning here. Um, yeah. 2-1. to one. Yeah, this is going to be my scoreless draw of the week. Well, mm. <laughs> it might not be the only one. We'll see. Okay. Then Brighton at home to Leicester. I mean, Leicester, with a win here and things going their way, they could move up to seventh if Burnley somehow lose to West Brom, which I don't think is going to happen. But uh, we've seen crazier things happen during the season. Uh, Leicester to nothing. 2-1, 2-1, Lester. Then Watford at home to Bournemouth. Oh, boy. I, I'm going to have to go with Watford in this one, in part for the home side. And I'm going to pick the same score line as the last match and say 2-1, Watford. Okay, I'll go 2-2 then. I'll be a little bit different. No, I'm the one zagging. Because, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Watford, good at home. Uh, then West Brom, Burnley, I'm going 2 nothing Burnley. West Brom are just so freaking bad. Mm, yeah. 1-0, Burnley. 1-0. I mean, they defeated... Everton two to one and then West Ham three nothing. You're giving them one nothing, okay? Okay. I mean, I don't want you to copy my prediction, so I guess that's good. <laughs> uh, Everton at home to Man City. That's the late game on Saturday. That is uh, twelve thirty p.m. kickoff. I feel like it's just a question of how many goals are Man City gonna. Put on Everton. Yeah. 4 1. Mm, 3 0. Okay, 3 0 City. And then Sunday, we got Arsenal against Stoke. That's 8 30 a.m. kickoff. Or. This is also one of those where I'm, it could go either way. We've seen Arsenal play well recently, but they've also had some real stinkers. 
I think I think they're gonna they're going to fail to keep a clean sheet, but still win handily in this one. Three um, one. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say two one. I <laughs> win handily. I mean, yeah, how, know, how is handily a two? Goal, but yeah, okay. I mean, I I expect them to dominate the game and still end up making life difficult and difficult for themselves and nervous for their supporters. But okay. I'm I'm still throwing down with the win. Okay, and then the big big matchup over the weekend here: Chelsea against Tottenham on Sunday. That thing kicks off at 11 a.m. Big big London derby. Right now, Spurs in fourth, 61 points. Chelsea, fifth, 56 points. So it's a must-win for Chelsea if they want to you know, get into the race for a Champions League spot. I mean, I, so here's the big question, is that it, Maurice Pochettino said that there's a chance that Kane could come back for this game, which is crazy. Yeah, don't run, based why on rush the initial him? time. Ah, uh, well, that's, I mean, that's a good question. And I, and I am going to pick the result, assuming that that is Pochettino kind of trying to play mind games a little bit. Okay. And not actually realistic for Kane's return from injury. Um, and so I'm going to say that Chelsea win this game 2-0. Two 2-0 nil. Two nil Chelsea. Okay, I'm going to go 1-1 draw. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how things shake out. Uh, yeah, before we go, let's talk Slatan Ibrahimovic. He uh, mutually, you know, uh, broke his contract with Manchester United, and then, you know, just a day or so later, it was announced that he's heading to LA Galaxy and the MLS. You gotta love Slatan. He takes out a full-size ad in the LA times and says, basically LA, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love him. I love him. It's going to be so much fun to see what he could do. He's still, you know, there's some question marks here since he's, you know, been injured, but he showed during his time at United that he still can play at a very, very high level. And Oh I th- yeah. I mean, he, he will, he will impact, LA Galaxy in a similar way that David Beckham did, which is to say he will be a huge boon in terms of shirt sales first and foremost, and they will make a ton of money off of his presence at the club. But he will also be able to, even when he's maybe fallen off the pace a bit for Europe, he will still be able to influence a ton of games and be, uh, you know, a star player for LA in a similar way that Beckham was not just a big name, but also successful on the pitch Mm -hmm. in a similar way that Drogba also influenced many games during his short time at MLS. I mean, he'll, yeah, he will score a lot of fantastic goals and be a success. It doesn't mean, however, that they become the immediate title favorite. Oh, no, 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 not at all. And I think that it's going to be interesting to see how he does you know, on because you have a lot of teams playing our artificial turf. That's going to be interesting to see. And then, how is he going to react to having, you know, players on his team that are not near the same level of teammates that he's been used to throughout his career? He's going to be a dick. 
Because I mean, because I mean, really, <laughs> besides his time in Malmo, you know, he's been, you know, Ajax. They had a phenomenal squad when he was there. Juventus, awesome team. Inter Milan, awesome team, and so on and so on. So he's always had a group of really good players around him. So it's going to well, be. Well, he gets to hang out with Ashley Cole and Giovanni Dos Santos. That's true. I think Ashley Cole and Slatan they could be, they could become quick friends here. Cruising around. If nothing else, just because Zlatan's like, who the hell are these other peons? Yeah. No, I mean it, it will be interesting to see, and I, he's going to be. I mean, it's going to be a tough ask for MLS defenders to defend him, really. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, yes, that is true. I I will be looking forward to seeing what he does, and I'm sure that what he will do will be <laughs> score a lot of goals. But I, I still, I'm I'm just not sold that, you know, the the players that we've seen come into the league and totally turn a club around have all been in the prime of their careers and whatever you want to say about Zlatan's ability to continue to produce in his late thirties, he is still at least six years beyond the prime of his career. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I just want him to have I'm a happy, really happy to see him in the MLS, but I, like, yeah. I also just, I just want him to have a really good season. And then he decides to return to the Swedish national team and we get to see him in the world cup. <laughs> so they, it would be it would be kind of a BS move if they took him. Why? That's the thing. I, I they qualified without him. So does that mean that none of the players that were not in the squad during qualifiers can earn a spot to be in the World Cup? I mean, that, I, yeah. That's, well, that's I mean, that's the thing though is that it's it's a question of what is and is not earned and what is given, right? And I mean, he's very quick to say. It's his. It's a characteristic Zlatan hubris, of course, but nonetheless, he is very quick to say, "If I come back or not is my choice and mine alone." Yeah. Right? He's he he is happy to advertise that there is a spot waiting for him, no matter what. He just has to choose to take it. And we were just talking earlier in the show about how important it is to have legitimate competition for places, and he would have to light the world on fire in Los Angeles in order for, I think, there to be a legitimate argument that he has earned that place based on the merits of his current form, not based on, of course, the achievements of his career and the class of player that he has been. No, I said, yeah, of course, I want to see him come back. I want to see him play well. But at the same time, it's, it's, if you would, it's hard to find a good comparison, really. But it's like, you wouldn't have... You shouldn't have this discussion when it's such a good player. Like, let's say that, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo said, okay, I'm done now after Portugal won the Euros. He's like, okay, I'm done with the national team now. Um, You know, I'm just going to focus on my club team, blah, blah, blah. They make it to the World Cup. And then he's like, yeah, you know what? I want to play. Yes, you're welcome. Come in. Yeah, because that's how know. much I'm better. I mean, you're you're that, the only one who. That's how much it. better Slatan is than the rest of the Swedish team. That's just fact. That's how much better Slatan was than the rest of the Swedish team, and I'm not convinced. He, he scored what three goals all season so far? 
I mean, we'll we'll see in what form he comes back in, but it's and then it's not like it's not like we have, you know, an abundance of lethal strikers to choose from. Well, I mean, okay, let's say, let's say that he makes his debut on Saturday, which he you know seems prepared to do, and then he has, uh, let's about. 14, 15 games, 15 games until May 25th, right? And if he scores, if he scores more than a dozen goals in that time, I am 100% sold that he deserves to go to the World Cup, even though we've seen other players produce similar returns, like Giovinco, for example, and be passed over for their squad. Not, I mean, obviously, Zlatan is to Sweden not nearly com- comparable to how Sebastian Giovinco no. is to Italy in terms of their overall history and contribution to the national team. But, I mean, it, it, we just so frequently say, okay, yeah, you can do this in the MLS, but can you do this at an even higher level? And you were just saying that now he's the biggest fish in a smaller pond. He, ha- he will have to produce a truly scintillating goal return for me to agree that him coming back into the Swedish national team is anything but, you know, a choice based on a name and not based on current form and performances. And maybe he will, you know, maybe he'll have played 17 games and have 15 goals. And I'll say, sure, please come back. But the way that he's speaking now is that it won't be based on the merits of his performances, but rather on the size of his persona. And I, I just, I would say in a team, especially a team like Sweden that has fought really hard and played well together in order to achieve qualification, that the introduction of a huge, massive ego like that, I mean, it could, it could end up sinking their performances. Yeah, I, I would not be surprised to see that, even though I agree that he is and has been and maybe can be yet one of the best strikers in the world. It's going to be interesting to follow. With that, we're going to say goodbye for this week. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Noren. Elliot is Keats Was Better. Polly is P. Questel. So we'll talk to you again after the weekend. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye.